Hello, good morning, and welcome to episode 159 of Life Song Radio. Hey, I'm Jimmy Hicks. I'm your host. Phil Ramsey is absent this week. Phil uh, spent some time with his family over the Thanksgiving holiday. Of course, we both did, but uh, you know, when it's a holiday week, it's really a little bit harder to try to get together uh, than uh, regular weeks, and so we just could not get together this week, but I did not want to run a rerun this week, so what I'm doing, uh, we're going to have a uh, a brand new episode, and where I'm going to step out of Hebrews as far as the verse-to-verse study that we've been doing, and I'm going to actually stay inside the book of Hebrews and skip ahead to chapter 13 to speak to you this morning. Uh, in uh, in regards to uh, what a Christian should be thankful for, right? In the spirit of Thanksgiving, uh, we're going to talk about the things that a Christian should be thankful for this morning. So we'll get to that. We're going to speak from, again, Hebrews chapter 13, and we'll do that coming up next right here on Life Song Radio. Stay with us. of mercy never ceasing go for songs of loudest praise and teach me some melodious song song by flaming tongues above praise the mountain fixed upon the mount of
And welcome back to Life Song Radio. Hey, I'm Jimmy Hicks, your host. Phil Ramsey not with us this week. If you're just now tuning in, Phil will not be with us today. He will return next week. And today, this morning, what I'm going to do is we're going to jump out of the book of Hebrews. Well, let me let me rephrase that. We're going to jump outside of our verse-by-verse study through the book of Hebrews. And I'm actually going to skip ahead to Hebrews chapter 13. And I want to focus on a text this morning that will answer the question, what does the Christian have to be thankful for? So in the spirit of uh, the Thanksgiving holiday, which we've just come off of and we're headed towards Christmas and the birth of Christ, there's so many things in our lives that we that we have to be thankful for. And we can pick that out of this text and see what it is that we have to be thankful for uh, as Christians, as believers, as those who have been born again and adopted children of the Most High God. We'll be able to see that this morning. And that's what I want us to focus on. All right. See, this past Thursday, we celebrated Thanksgiving, sat around the table. We talked about the things in our lives that we were thankful for, right? Uh, and and, and we, we prayed to God and we asked him to bless the meal, but we thanked him for the blessings that he's put in our lives too, right? But most people, when we talked about the things that we were thankful for, when we when we thank God for the blessings that he's given us, most, most of those blessings were physical, temporary blessings, Right. And look, I'm not saying that's bad. It's not a bad thing to thank God for the temporary blessings because they come from him. And if we have them, we should we we should thank him for them. Right. So if we have clothes on our back, we should thank God for it. If we have a roof over our head, guess what? God provided it. If we have a job, he gave it to us. If we just if we've eaten a meal recently, guess what? He fed us. If our health is good, guess what? God's given it to us. But you know what? I want us to think about and look deeper than that, look past that and realize that those things are just temporal, temporary blessings. I want us to know that if we are children of God, that we have a hope that's beyond this world. And of all the people in the world who ought to be thankful, the church itself, believers, born again people, we ought to be praising and thanking God. And so that's my purpose this morning is to remind us of those things that we have in the Lord. All right. You, you, you may be struggling right now. You might have some pressures or some stress or some some valleys that you're going through and you not, don't quite understand. But listen to me, if you're saved, you're not forsaken. If God has come into your life and you've been born again and he's changed your heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, then you are not forsaken. All right. You might have a low point in your life. You might be going through a season right now, but you have so much to be thankful for. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning. So Hebrews chapter 13, hopefully you have your Bibles with you. And that's what I want us to read from Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 12. The writer says, therefore, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people through his own blood suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach for here. We do not have a last city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. All right, and so from that text this morning, I want us to to examine and consider the certainties that are in this text, all right? So we're going to answer that question, what does the Christian have to be thankful for? And first of all, here's what I want to say. To answer that question, we don't really have to look much farther than who we are. Right. If we are born again believers, if we are truly repentant, born again believers, then here's the first thing that we should be thankful for. Who we are is an exceedingly valued people. 
All right. Verse 12 says, therefore, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people through his own blood suffered outside the gate. We are an exceedingly valued people because in this verse, the, the author deals with the fact that Jesus gives his life on the cross for the sins of men. Right. He came to the earth so that, that we might be reconciled to God through him. And so if anybody has any reason to rejoice, it's the church, it's the believer, right? Church didn't, or Christ didn't die for angels. He didn't die for kingdoms. He died for you and for me. He didn't die for institutions. He died for individuals. And so when we look at that, when we, when we consider everything that Jesus suffered for us, then, then there should be no doubt that we are an exceedingly valued people. We are precious to him. If you're saved, you're precious. You are exceedingly valued to the Lord. You are somebody to God. You know, I've not been saved that long, but I know people that have been saved 30, 40, 50 years, and they still haven't gotten over the fact that Jesus loves them. I haven't gotten over the fact that Jesus loves me, and I hope you haven't gotten over the fact that Jesus loved you. He loved you enough to die for you. Romans 5, 8 says that, but God demonstrates his own love towards us that in white, while we were still sinners, Christ yet died for us. So Jesus gave himself for the church. He gave himself for every believer. And so never think, never, never think that you're not highly favored and highly valued and precious to God. We can rejoice in that fact that we belong to the Lord and that we're precious to him. First John chapter four says, and this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, there's a whole lot wrapped up in that word propitiation, and we don't have enough time to talk about it. But just know that God loved you before you loved him. So would you not agree that you're precious to him, that you're a value to him? You are loved by the God and the creator of this world. You are an exceedingly valued person. So as a believer, we are an exceedingly valued people. We're also, here's the second thing, an enormously forgiven people. Verse 12 says, Jesus came so that he might sanctify the people through his own blood. The cross and all the suffering was, you know, this, this, it wasn't some coincidence or happenstance or just a tragedy. Jesus came for the very purpose that he would die for the sins of those who would believe so that we would be sanctified. Or what that means is to, to be set apart, to be consecrated, to be made holy or purified. Why? Because we're all born in sin. We're separated. We're condemned by God from the moment of our birth, our physical birth. So there's no way that we could reconcile ourselves to God because what we owe, the, the, the payment, the penalty that we owe because of our sin is too, too, too much for us to pay. We don't have enough in the bank or in our pockets. We don't have enough credit to pay what we owe. The wages of sin is death. So apart from the, from the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus, we're all going to remain dead in our sin. But Jesus came and he purchased that redemption. He pardoned our sin and he settled it. He settled our debt forever because on the cross he said, it's finished. Tell us die. And that's a term that at that time was used when, when, uh, when, when merchants would strike a deal that, that meant that the haggling, the negotiation was over with. Both sides were satisfied that there was also a term when servants were, were finished. They, they had completed a task. They were assigned by their master. They would say, telesti, it is finished. Jesus said that on the cross and he gave him spirit, his spirit up. He said, it is finished. 
So because it's finished, folks, I don't stand guilty. I don't stand condemned before a holy God. I've been set free from the bondage that sin has over me. And now, because I have been born again, because I am saved, because Jesus came and died for me, I'm counted worthy, worthy in the eyes of God. So when God looks on me, when he looks on you, if you are, if you have been saved and you are redeemed, he doesn't see a worthless sinner bound for hell anymore. Now, if you're not saved, that's what he sees, a worthless sinner bound for hell. But if, you're, if you have been redeemed, he doesn't see a worthless sinner bound for hell. He sees those that have been pardoned or forgiven or set free. So we're viewed by the blood of Jesus. When we die as a saved person, we don't enter heaven in our, under our own name. We enter heaven under the name of Christ. Romans 4 says, blessed are those who, whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. And blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Romans 8, 1 says, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So, so we, can we not worship and praise him because we've been pardoned and forgiven of our sin? Yeah, we are an exceed, enormously forgiven people. We're exceedingly valued, and we're also enormously forgiven. And here's the third thing. We are an exclusively unique people. So we're exceedingly valued. We're enormously forgiven, and we are exclusively unique exclusively unique verse 13 says so let us go out to him outside the camp bearing his reproach so look i'm happy i rejoice that 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 i don't have to depend on this world anymore this sinful broken condemned and cursed world doesn't define me and i don't have to depend on it because jesus suffered without the gates of jerusalem for for our sin so we've been separated in him and we're not going to be accepted by this world or of this world the world doesn't understand us or the life that we live. I've had a person say, make a comment here recently, uh, you know, when I made the comment that this year I, I could possibly be going and I'm looking forward to, you know, working out the details right now of going to, to Pakistan and spending some time with uh, with a good brother over there that uh, I'm, I'm getting to know right now, uh, who is a pastor over there who, are tra- who, who who has a Bible college and he's training and building leaders and the invitation's been extended for, for me to come to, to spend time. As a matter of fact, in January, I'm going to have the opportunity to speak uh, it'll be video Skype, but I'll be having an opportunity to speak uh, and, and, and preach the commencement message at his Bible college. Uh, and so that's a that's a unique opportunity. But uh, I got the chance and, and hopefully it'll be worked out where I can go and spend a week training and building these pastors that he's teaching over there. And uh, and, and so, I, you know, sharing that with some people that uh, that I'm close to. Uh, here's the comment. And, and, and it'll, it'll throw you just like it threw me. He says, you're sick. You're sick. I said, I'm sick. No, I feel good. Why? You're sick because you might die and it doesn't bother you. Look, I'm a born again child of God. I am an exclusively unique person. I am a peculiar person. The Bible has called me. Christians are called to be set apart and separated from the world. So the things that would bring fear into the heart of a non-believer, death, doesn't affect me. Why? I'm not looking to die. If I was looking to die, I'd go run into a light pole in my truck. I'm not looking to die. 
but I have the peace of knowing where I'm going should I die, should I die. And I have the peace of knowing that God is sovereign. I know God knows all, sees all, and he has planned on. There's nothing that will ever happen that has ever happened or will ever happen that God's hand has not touched. So if I die, whether it's in a car wreck or in a plane crash, or if I get killed by Islamic extremists, it doesn't matter because God's in it. I've been set apart and I have that peace in my life. But to the world, we're viewed as fanatics. And the world will tell you also that you're going to miss out on a lot if you don't partake in, in all of the offers of the world. That is one statement that's absolutely correct. You will, as a born-again believer, child of God, you will miss out on a lot of things the world has to offer. I thank God that I will miss out on the sin that the world tries to drag me into. The world tries to look on the, on the believers with pity because we refuse to live as they do. Look, don't feel sorry for me. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got the peace that surpasses all understanding. I have a rock that I can go to when the storms of life are raging against me, and I have a hope that this world doesn't know anything about. The world will never accept the Lord, and it will never accept us. But listen to me, people. We can hold our heads up because we belong to him. There will be reproach. There will be persecution that we're going to have to take and bear on our shoulders. But listen, I gladly identify with Jesus. He's done for me what no person alive in this world could ever do. The world has nothing to offer me but sin, heartache, pain, and death. It's a blessing to be a part of the body of Christ. I understand that, and I stand and boldly proclaim my love and devotion for him from here, from my front porch to the ends of the earth. If he takes me to Pakistan only to take me out, guess what? What if I have to fear? I get to go be with him for all of eternity. Oh, my goodness. I'm leaving the world that's trying to drag me down and get to go be with my Savior. What is there to fear? The only fear I should have is not following him in obedience and giving up crown and suffering loss at the judgment seat of Christ. That's what I have to fear. I may not be received or accepted of this world, but I am accepted by my Lord. And so as a believer, we all need to let the world know where we stand and what we believe. We belong to the Lord of glory. So as a believer, as a born again believer, we are exceedingly valued. We are enormously forgiven and we are exclusively unique. Here's the last thing. We are an emphatically guaranteed people. An emphatically guaranteed people. Verse 14 says, For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. This, we sing an old song that uh, this, the world is not my home. I'm just passing by. My treasures and my hope are, are all up in the sky. My friends and loved ones wait who trod this way before, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Huh. Well, the saved, the redeemed are, are all on a journey, right? We, we are temporarily passing through this world before we get to the, to the homeland of the redeemed, the eternal home in heaven, right? So we're just pilgrims. Speaking of Thanksgiving, we're just pilgrims and strangers passing through this land. And this is a land of sin, a land of sorrow. But look, one day the Lord Jesus will call for his bride 
and we are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and enter the joys of the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah for that. We are an emphatically guaranteed people. See, I just talked about it, but but just to, just to, just to reemphasize the fact that the world has nothing to offer, very little to offer us. So our purpose in the world is to help gather the bride. And we're going to one day enter the, our, our brand new home that the Lord right now is preparing for those who love him. Hebrews chapter 11, the author talks about Abraham. He says, by faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Don't you feel like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? Oh, my goodness. We are an alien in the land of promise. We're in a foreign land, right? That's where we are. Life is hard. It is. It is. Life is very hard. We all go through storms. We all get weary. And, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring challenges as we go through the journey. But life is not all there is for children of God. We should be thankful for that. Because one day we're going to be in the presence of the Lord for all of eternity. We're going to go home one of these days, and what a home that will be. It's going to be a land where the sin that tries to drag us down every day, the suffering that gets us down, the the sorrow and the pain that we have, the death that we have to suffer through this life will be no more. We will spend eternity with the one who created us and the one who died for us. Saved people are blessed people. We have received way more than our minds will ever comprehend. So born-again believers are exceedingly valued. We are enormously forgiven. We are exclusively unique, and we are emphatically guaranteed. Those are what this verse speaks to us. But here's how verse 15 wraps it up for us. Because of that, because of who we are, and because of, because of the identity that we have now, As believers, it should make us energetically worshipful, right? It says in verse 15, through him, then let us continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. So if there's anybody ever that has ever had a song to sing, it's the Christian, it's the born again believer, like, I don't know about you, but, but when I think about where I was before Jesus and where, where I am now, what he delivered me from, I can't help but praise his name. He has been far better than me than I have ever deserved. If he never offered another physical blessing, guess what? I will still stand and say God is good. God has been good. So there's a couple of things that I want us to consider regarding our worship and our praise of God. We see in this text that that, that authentic worship is expensive. It's costly. It says we are commanded to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, a sacrifice of praise. And I'll say this. I think there's a lot of times that most of us go to church and, and we never really praise or worship the Lord because we don't focus on him for ourselves. We're so consumed with, with, with wants and desires of our heart that we fail to worship the Lord. We don't ever go to church to worship God for who he is and what he's already done. No, we worship. We want to worship God for what he can do and continue to do to uh, for us, not what he has already done, which exceedingly outweighs anything that we could ever physically ask for. 
So real praise requires that we empty ourselves and we see Jesus for who he is. Real worship, authentic worship doesn't worry about what other people say or or think. Authentic worship is offered out of a heart of love and devotion. Authentic worship is a priority and a focus and rather, rather than an occasional byproduct. Look, has God not been good to us? If you're born again, you have more than you could ever want or desire or ask for. You've been forgiven, right? You, you are exceedingly valued. You are uh, enormously forgiven. You are exclusively unique and emphatically guaranteed. You need nothing else but those things that have already been given to you the moment you were born again. Oh my goodness. Authentic worship is expensive. It's costly. Authentic worship is also endless. The text says we offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. You know what that word continually literally means? It means continually, constantly, at all times, endless. The Bible says that our praise should never end. Our worship should never end. We should continually offer worship and praise unto the Lord. So how many, how many days have you spent in life that the Lord didn't, didn't, didn't supply your needs and provide you with abundant blessings? The very breath that you breathe right now is, for, is a blessing from God. He is always faithful on his end, but we all come up way, way short on our end. I, I can't remember where I first read this or where I heard this, but, but I'm going to repeat it. But what if, to, what if your blessings today were dependent on your praise and worship from yesterday. How many blessings would you be enjoying right now? You might say that you don't feel like praising God every day. You might say that I just don't know what, what, what you're going through right now. What do you think Jesus in his humanity felt like? He endured everything that he endured that, so that we might be saved. Should we not be praising him continually? If you haven't praised the Lord in a while, you need to start praising him and continue worshiping and praising him constantly, endlessly. Everything you have is given by him and supplied by him. You are abundantly blessed by God. All right. So, so authentic worship is expensive. It's costly. Authentic worship is endless. It's continuous. And here's the last thing. Authentic worship is engaging. It says our praise is to be the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Jesus wants to hear from us. He wants to hear from the redeemed. He desires the people that desire him. He desires the praise of those whom whom he saved. And so, look, I'm sure the praise and the worship of the angels is good, but Jesus didn't die for them. He died for us. When I'm in church, I love to hear good worship. But you know what I like to hear more than that? I'd like to hear a broken sinner who's been saved by the grace of God say, I want to thank God for saving me. Hmm. I just imagine the Lord perks up a little bit when he hears the praise and the worship of someone who thanks him for their salvation. You don't have to be an accomplished singer or an accomplished speaker to offer the fruit of your lips. Just offer from the abundance of your heart and the Lord will be pleased. So as I wrap this up this morning, how long has it been since you've praised and worshiped and thanked the Lord? Because if you are a redeemed, born again, saved believer, these are the things that you should be thankful for. God values you. He has forgiven you more than you can imagine. He has set you apart and consecrated you and called you unique and peculiar. He has consecrated you from the world. And he has guaranteed you a spot in heaven. Those are the only things that we need. And so we should continuously 
worship God from now until the end of eternity for the things that he has given us that are eternal. Let's pray. Father, oh my goodness, Lord, thank you. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for giving me a new address and I thank you for giving me a new purpose. God, I thank you. If I never get another physical blessing in my life, the eternal blessings that you've given me are more than enough. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. In the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, I offer up this praise and thanks to you now. Amen. Well, folks, we thank you for being here this week. I thank you for joining me today. And uh, next Sunday, Phil Ramsey will will return as we jump back into our study in Hebrews. Uh, We'll go back to chapter 9 and continue studying through verse by verse throughout the book of Hebrews. But we thank you for being here. We hope you've had a great Thanksgiving holiday weekend. And uh, and listen, don't forget about the website, lifesongradio.com.